Good day, beautiful people. How are you doing out there in the universe? I hope that wherever you are right now, you're doing okay. You're you're fantastic, even. You're blissful. I'm sending you all of my love, peace, encouragement, good vibes, energy, uh, anything positive your way, I'm sending it, and you can receive that now. We are back with Neville Raymond in part two, and we dive deeper. The first part was um, his explanation, which I thought was absolutely brilliant on why humanity must overcome the doomsday imprint in our collective psyche to achieve peace. Now, in this one, we go in a back and forth dialogue, we dive even deeper. Uh, we talk about divide and conquer, uh, standing up for someone else, the root cause of fear, cognitive dissonance, why this is so polarizing, uh, the anti-vax movement going beyond politics, the dangers of the swab and how they do testing. And so uh, he is very well researched, very wise, obviously, if you've listened to part one. So I know you're going to like this episode. You're going to love it. If you enjoy it, please share it, share it everywhere that you can. Um, Sign up for the email list at mattbelair.com. Censorship has gone through the roof these days. And so sign up for the email list. If you want a free lucid dreaming um, ebook and audio, go to bit.ly forward slash lucid dreaming, or you'll, uh, you'll find it on my website as well, but sign up for the email list just so we can stay in touch because who knows how things are going to go. We'd love to get these episodes out to you. Um, you can become a patron. Thank you to all my patrons. This helps immensely to keep things going as well as if you want want to become an academy member and for those of you who want a step-by-step master system for overcoming self-sabotage strengthening your connection with spirit and designing and living the life of your dreams check out the absolutely phenomenal soul compass course it is free inside the academy i was going to sell it as a 300 course but i'm giving it free to all of my members and it is really a step-by-step process for uncovering your life purpose it's a process that i've taken hundreds of people through and i do uh, most of that process every new year to make sure that i'm aligned and throughout the year so it really distills the information of my own research as well as having almost 400 experts from around the world on the podcast and so you'll like that that. There's also exclusive content from guests. There's guided meditation, brainwave entrainment, and so much more in the academy and would love to have you in there. So go check that out. Um, it's you go to mapillaire.com, you'll find that as well. And for those of you guys who want even more, you want some one-on-one coaching or you want me to uh, speak to your group, just hit me up matt at zenathlete.com or mapillaire.com forward slash coaching. So that's it. The most important and best and greatest way to support this show, though, is to do three kind acts of uh, three kind acts in the world. So this could be patience and tolerance, which we all need right now. It could be forgiveness, um, paying it forward, getting someone's name, doing someone nice, something nice for someone. Just anything kind would be amazing. It's the best way that you can support the show. Um, So that's it. Thank you so much for listening. I know you're going to enjoy this episode. So let's come to a state of peace and coherence before we dive in wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing take in a deep breath in through your nose hold that breath and let it out slowly filling every cell muscle fiber atom of your being with peace joy empowerment connection enthusiasm love courage tolerance and ready to take on this amazing episode so yeah let's get into it Back in the day when all that was happening, how would you be able to cope with your existence 
with, you know, with something so far beyond your scope and it, and it wipes out everyone, you know, and you're dealing with this insane trauma and this uh, grief and all of these human emotions that you'd have and fear and terror. What a really brilliant hypothesis and, and um, presentation, because I feel like if we can begin to explore that and then figure out ways to, overcome it or neutralize it or heal it that would be our opportunity to have a peaceful revolution because many people in this world can imagine that type of future and all of these things which is so fascinating they run unconsciously right these traumas are so unconscious and even if you look at i know you know about propaganda and manipulation and things like that well when freud was writing his book on the psyche he did one on ego but he also did one on groupthink and how it's different and so these people that do the propaganda can tap into those uh archetypes those fear modalities those traumas and once you tap into those traumas you're able to get the human being or the collective or the masses to make decisions they wouldn't normally make because it shuts off all of your reasoning your your rationale and now you're you're uh, operating in a more primal basic nature and that's the root of it you know what you're talking about that really deep trauma is the root of it where you're almost uh yeah. powerless so what wow yes. that was amazing what do you want to say oh no, no. just processing all that <laughs> yeah. well th- first of all thank you so much for um for seeing that and for validating that i really really appreciate that thank you so much for that um uh you know as i said there's so many tangents that could go up. but the book of job the book of job is such a uh, encapsulation of everything I've just said. And I don't know if people realize this, but, you know, Leviathan, the dragon, uh, the crooked serpent, you know, it's, it's a comet. That's what it is. And Job was a victim of all of the fallout of the comet. And they came and destroyed his life and destroyed his family. And he looks to God and he says, how could you do this? I was an upright man. I was a good person. How could you do this? How could you destroy my children? How can you destroy my family? I, I did everything right. I, I, I never strayed. I, I, there was no sin in me. I, I, I was a good person. Why did you do all this to me? And you know what the upshot of it is? It's so, I mean, I can relate it on different levels, but the upshot of it is that God convinces him that he's so much superior to Job and Job doesn't know anything and God is the expert and Job just shut up and follow God and God has all this power and might at his disposal and in the end he so intimidates and frightens Job as per what you were just saying that Job repents in dust and ashes and just says I know nothing what do I know? I will just repent and kowtow and bow down in submission and just follow the Lord. And that's sort of what's happening. It's sort of what you said, where they play on these fears. They, they make you believe like you don't know anything. I'm a great believer in the wisdom of the crowd. I believe we all have it in us. It's in us to know what's right. We don't need authority figures to tell us. It's, we know what it is 
we can see it, we can feel it, even in a mask, for God's sakes. Okay, for God's sakes, I cannot put on a mask, but within 10 seconds, I know that it's impairing and interfering with my breathing. My body tells me that. It's right there. I don't need to have scientific studies, which, which there are a plethora of scientific studies backing me up on this, but I just put a mask on and within 20 seconds, I can tell you. And then I put on, for the very first time, I put on a, a glass shield. And I gotta tell you, it was a little bit better. It took me about four minutes. But if you think about it, you're breathing up against a plastic barrier. You're, you're, you're breathing in oxygen, and you're breathing out carbon dioxide, and it has nowhere to go, but it's coming back at you because it's a barrier right in front of your face, right? And so my, my respiratory system started to feel wonky within, within four minutes, five minutes of that, and I kept pushing the visor away from my face, you know? So your body tells you, you know, I don't care how many scientists they have, you know, making fun of you, because it's, oh, well, it doesn't. Because you're the expert. You know your body tells you. You know when you've been hurt. You know when you've been taken. There's a part of you that knows, right? And you just need someone to stand up for you and be your advocate. Yeah, that's a really important uh, topic to bring up is the listen to authority. I feel like in my generation, that's one of the main things always uh, listen, don't talk back. The authority knows more than you. And especially in our uh, education and now it's becoming medical. And, you know, I knew there was so much on these anti-vaxxer this and that, and I never even looked into it. I was like, Oh, it's probably bad. Most of the stuff that I end up looking into is uh, not ideal, but in having to research the coronavirus and everything that was going on, there was so much stuff on um, vaccines that was <laughs> negative and it's very obvious, but as an ever, you know, so, you know, if you start to go down that rabbit hole, you're going to see a whole bunch of evidence that says, you know, vaccines should definitely be uh, researched. Uh, they're not 100% safe because you wouldn't have a billion dollar payouts or whatever it is across. Four billion. Saying, what is it? Four. Four billion. Yeah. 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 Right. So that had just kind of come up. But but even as a parent, like a, and have a, a, you know, a daughter, they're like, oh, well, you don't know. You just trust the doctor. But I actually have uh, I have several friends who are doctors um, of different degrees, uh, like, you know, a newer doctor. Uh, one of them is a retired doctor. Um, one of them is a practicing but almost retired doctor. And what a lot of that education is is very like uh, like hunt like uh find and seek you know what i mean like this fixes that but right. they're not teaching um terrain medicine they're not teaching like one of my friends said he didn't even have a, a course in nutrition you know <laughs> what and so you know yeah there's there's definitely room for modern medicine a hundred percent it's it's helped us in so many ways um and the human being also is is needs to be their own authority and what's happening is we're giving away all our power to, you know, back in the day, like you said about the religion one, what a fascinating thing, because you would give it to the gods, but you would have these representatives, right? These, uh, these gatekeepers to God. And I went to the Parliament of World Religions with my Native American friend and teacher. And uh, that's one of the things he said is like, you don't need a broker to God. You don't need a broker to the creator. You don't need a broker to that thing. But somehow we're imposing on other people through uh, various means. 
and say, hey, you know, you're not the authority of your own life. Somebody else has your best interest at heart. And unfortunately, these are the systems often that don't have our best interest at heart. And that's what I think I'm, I'm witnessing in my world because I was curious, kind of like you, how do good people do bad things, right? You look at World War II, World War I, Khmer Rouge, uh, Rwanda, 9.1 million people starving to death. Uh, you can go into the, actually, if you go really into the, what's happening right now, a lot about the human trafficking, which I'd worked on as well. I had, um, uh, shoot, what's his name? Blanking on it right now, but- Epstein? Well, Ep- Epstein, yes. Uh, no, it was, a, it was a guest I recently had. Oh, um, sorry. Um, I'm, I'm just going to look it up. But basically what he was saying is that he, he wrote a book called uh, Why Evil Matters and Why Evil Matters, How Science and Religion Flubbed a Big One. And so when he – hold on one sec. I'm just pulling it up right now. Um, apologies for the delay. Alex, Alex Sakaris. huge huge show um you know top 10 podcast on uh he's a skeptical guy we had a great episode lots of fun and but he goes to me at one point he goes if we know um that we have groups of people um torturing kids trying to split their personality because when they split personalities it's easier for an entity to come in we need to first investigate if that's actually true and this guy's a skeptic but through his show, he had learned that that was actually happening on the planet. And so if we're going to these like primal archetypal traumas, it is somehow these types of people that have found their way at the top of the systems. And the people at the bottom of the system, we've kind of been like coaxed into believing that uh, everybody has our best interests at heart. And what you discover when you look down any rabbit hole of food, of war, of media, of all of these things, you realize, whoa, there's actually some bad people doing some bad things on purpose that has definitely not got my best interests at heart. And I feel like that's the first thing that people need to, to grapple with to understand that we need to make our own choices. We need to have that ability um, to make our own choices, to be our own authority, and to you know, do what we feel is, is best. So do you want to speak on that? Absolutely. You know, what you raised was a profound, profound thing. Um, these people obviously know the value of trauma, right? They know, the, they, they know that if you want to basically rule people, I mean, there's a very ancient saying, divide and conquer. The Romans had it. The British Empire took it to new heights, right? Divide and conquer. But a subcategory in that is that you divide the person against themselves. You split them off from their own identity, their own reality, right? And it makes them easier to control, right? So what I, what I want to do now more than anything else is make people understand there's this amazing species that we have, the human race, right? We need to celebrate how beautiful it is. What an amazing degree of evolved uh, emotional intelligence it has that we have, right? And we need to stop thinking, like you said, you know, what do you need God for, right? You, you can, you, I mean, uh, what, what do you need the middle man for? You can reach God. You know, directly. Well, we can relate to each other directly. We don't need these psychopaths, this 0.001% of psychopaths to just 
toy with our world and mess it up and make it something in their own toxic, sadistic image. We need to connect with each other. We are so amazingly empowered to be these beautiful beings. We just need for each other to pay attention, to just see, to just look into each other's eyes, to just hold each other and understand, you know, we all want the same thing. We don't need these people who have somehow been so deranged for so many thousands of years. They, they arrogantly think they have the right to just dominate us. They play God. They literally play God. And we need to stop it. We need to put an end to it. We need to realize that we're human beings and we will triumph as human beings if we come together. Yeah, I agree. And I wanted to say one thing I feel like is important. You, I don't know how you phrased it, but it's the idea of like standing up for someone or like uh, or standing up and having someone's back in some sort of way. An advocate, a witness. Yeah, yeah, right. And so interestingly, on the flip side, when you look at why people do horrible things in the yes. in Milgram experiment, it's yes. Mil, is it Milgram or Milligram? Stan, I, Stan, Milgram. Stanley Milgram. Stan, Stanley Milgram. Milgram. Yeah, and so as long as we can we can put the onus on something else, you know, an institution, uh, you know? And so like the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia, they were hunting down their friends and family when they sided with the government, you know, and now people are siding with the government. Oh, it's just mass. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. But when you decode each thing and you use critical thinking and say, okay, how bad is it? Um, have they isolated the virus? Oh, no, they haven't done that yet either. You know what I mean? Oh, um, oh you know, Lord. they're inflating the death rates. It's not with COVID it, or not. It's not, you're not dying of COVID, some sort of new thing. You're dying with COVID using a test that yes. was by, by the inventor saying you don't use this to find viral contagion. So you can find that out through logic and reason and research and investigation. But so many people now are, there's just lazy. The status quo of people is lazy. They're going to look at the news and that's what they're going to accept. But I think that the good part of people intrinsically is we are good and we are compassionate. And because we believe in the best of others, a lot of us, uh, people who haven't experienced war like back in the day, like I bet you all the, a lot of the, um, I talked to a neighbor who was, uh, they, they grew up in a place where there's a lot of human trafficking and they yes. knew everything that was going on because they can sniff out baloney from a government level, right? They're like, yeah, you know, we don't intrinsically just trust our government. We take a look at things. And so because people I think are generally good, they couldn't fathom that the government would do something yes. that would be against their best interest. And right. so when we're looking at what's happening and we understand that, okay, People will do evil things if they can say, oh, well, I was just following orders or doing this. But on the flip side, when you have somebody who stands up and who's an advocate, right, we need that. And and what's happening right now, what I'm seeing at least is that I did a post and asked, you know, does anybody not speaking out about what they believe to be true because they don't want to get basically their butt kicked on social media? I think there's like a hundred comments like, yes, 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 yes. And so one side of this coin is kind of being forced into submission, but they don't have um, the data or the science or the reason on their side. What they have is this um, fear archetype going on and using that to impose on other people. It's this more primal archetype and it's very aggressive and it's very frightening. Yes. 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 You know, you're, you're, you're zeroing in on the advocate, you're the witness. It's, it's the, it's the critical, critical catalyst there. 
it's it's like I've I've dealt with this question in many ways before, in terms of 9/11, right? Um, the evidence was really clear. It was in your face. You you have you have buildings in free fall. They can't come down in free fall without being internally demolished. They just can't. The 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 laws of steel, the laws of physics. You're violating them, right? So it's right there. But why is it that people could not just come out and accept the fact? And here's what I discovered. It's they they couldn't they couldn't confront authority right like you were pointing out they couldn't confront authority it was too um destabilizing for their world and the analogy that i use and you can see this in many films as well you have somebody being molested and there's nobody to believe them the, the mom doesn't believe her you know her her relatives don't believe her. There is a phalanx of, um, there's a, a wall of uh, people that are in denial. Oh, you could, he could never do that. You know, he could never do that. And so you're left there. You've experienced what he's done, okay? You've experienced the rage. I mean, you're feeling the rage and the shame and, and the horror of it, but there's no one to take your side, right? And, and it's kind of what happened with Job. Right, all his comforters were just you know awful people that just didn't take a side at all, right? And so you know you kind of there's a, a, a despair, a death. It's a death of it's like a despair of death. It's it's like the despair that leads you to die inside because you can't find somebody, and that's sort of what happens. It's too awful to contemplate to bring this to bear. Oh, Uncle Joey did this. Oh my God, no! You know he's like an like he's like a patriarch. He's like a Peter Familias. He's like somebody that we all respect and admire. And he did this. Oh my God. Right. Or the other part of it is um, the, the wife knows the daughter is being molested, but her husband is her sole support. So what is she going to do? She's going to expose him. And we have a system here that's so stupid that would take him away and jail him. And so she would lose her breadwinner. She would lose the person that's, that's holding the family together with his material contribution. And so she's not going to believe, right? So there's that part of it. So we need to make it safe for people. That's what the reparenting haven, the reparenting sanctuary is about, to come out with your truth. And no matter what it is, you will be heard, you will be seen, you will be validated. No matter what the pain is, we don't care, you know, who it is that you have the pain with. If they did you wrong, we're on your side and you will have your voice. And that's the only way, right? And, and let's be clear about this. It's not about blaming parents, right? It's not about blaming the authority figures. It's simply about recognizing we don't want to do what they did. And if we deny in ourselves the horrible things they did, we're at risk for going out and continuing to do them to other people. You know, we're at, we're at risk for that. So we have an obligation to ourselves to feel that and to have somebody in our corner to help us feel that. And everybody so needs it. We so all need it. And it's the way forward. 
um, better than demonstrations and, 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 and everything else. We need to just have people come together and realize, you know, we are it. We're the people we're waiting for. We're the ones, we're the saviors we're waiting for. So let's just come together and be the change, right? And we can do it. We can do it. There's a whole section in uh, the Reparenting Blueprint about how we will survive. You know, breakups can be challenging, right? You came and you thought you could just walk in and make yourself at home and, you know, I'm just going to go along with you, didn't you? Well, no, I'm going to change the locks. I'm going to throw away that stupid key. You're not welcome. I'm not going to see you in that word that we use in relationships. I don't see you any. I'm not going to see you anymore because you're bad for me. You're toxic. Okay, I'm going to find love. I'm going to find someone who loves me back. And I think that's what we need more than anything else. Right now, you and I probably both have people in our lives, right? Close people, right? Who are you know, what I call nervous Nellies or superstitious Pete's, right? <laughs> superstitious Stanley's, you know, they are sold on the whole narrative, right? Yep. And they need, you know, they need someone to acknowledge that underneath it is a lot of fear. And that if they could look at the truth, their world is not going to come tumbling down. It's on the contrary, by refusing to look at it, their world will come tumbling down. Mm. But it's, it's by looking at it that they can free themselves. And we have, you know what? We are such an amazing species. And I got to tell you one last thing about this whole thing with the, um, with the, disaster, the catastrophes that occurred. Our ancestors, the earth survivors, were alone. They didn't have anybody, right? They had maybe one or two people. And they were just as traumatized as they were. So there was nobody, but the human race has done this amazing job of coming back. There are now 7 billion of us. We can turn to each other. There's so many of us to draw on. There's somebody for everybody. We can turn to each other. We can find the love. We can get out from under this really toxic tyranny that has got us in a death grip. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And one thing that's kind of come up with this idea of the of what's happening underlying, um, and why people aren't exactly looking at what's happening is the idea of um, ostracizing yourself from the group of the community. And that's one of those primal things from being in communities. If you went against the community, you may be ostracized. You might be ostracized from your your partner, your your loved one, your lover. You might be ostracized, your your father, somebody close, because it's going against group think. And that's a really hard thing. You know, we could go really deeply into cognitive dissonance, but um, you know, just being ostracized, like speaking up because you're going against what everyone is so passionate about and it doesn't matter. And I've, I've debated uh, many people and not one, not one person has come back with a reasonable argument and data. Most of them just attack me right away because I want to know what the truth is. If I, if you give me a compelling argument, I am very open to changing and modifying my perspective based on good evidence. I've even gone into a doctor, one of our local doctors um, in town and just spouting propaganda posting stuff in her wall from when she's saying this and she hasn't even replied with any good rebuttal to anything that I've posted. I've only just gotten attacked. So that means that I, I know that I'm 
figuring out what the truth actually is because it's there to see. And so people really, it, you know, I have compassion because it's so challenging. You have to challenge your whole worldview. That's the cognitive, cognitive dissonance part. And one of those primal things, um, those primal archetypes that you're speaking about is, is maybe ostracizing yourself from the community, which would be emotionally devastating. And so there needs to be compassion there because underlying, like you said, is fear. Um, but on the other side of that is truth. You know what I mean? And it, I would, uh, in the Bhagavad Gita, I find it interesting sometimes like how, how to navigate life because when you're a martial artist, first of all, you, you, let's say you're getting beat up a lot. The first thing you, you stop getting beat up and you can defend yourself, but then you might be like, you know what, I'm going to beat them up. Right. You know, and, and you, as a martial artist, you don't want to do that. And once you get to the point where you're comfortable in your skills and maybe you were violent before you actually usually stop being violent because you're comfortable in who you are and what you know. Um, but then now there comes a time where someone is coming at you. And if you're really good, you can avoid that. You're going to avoid it with your words. You're going to avoid it. You can run in the other direction. You can do all sorts of things to avoid a fight. Um, you know, you'd be the best fighter in the world, but you'll do whatever you can to avoid it. You can out sprint them because your, your cardio is good. Um, now in this world we're dealing with, it's like the other side is the one being violent most of the time, like, uh, saying violent things, you know what I mean? Doing that. And, and somehow saying it's me and I'm doing the harm. I'm like, no, you're being very aggressive. And like, there's a, I know this cause I've done martial arts and I can, I understand what aggression is. And if this were a fist fight, you'd probably come to a time where I'd have to punch you to keep myself safe and tell you to go away because the words for you to just say, go away are not working. You know, I, I'm, I'm against the wall saying, please stop. Let me just exist in my own belief system. And if you're not, if you don't want what I have to offer, or you want to look at anything that I'm offering, that's fine. But I'm not trying to mandate you. I'm not trying to make you do anything. I'm just trying to exist in my own belief system, my own connection with myself, my own connection with the creator and my own evidence and my own self as an authority. But the other side keeps encroaching and encroaching and encroaching and encroaching. And I'm wondering when that, uh, you know, when it eventually gets to a point of like protection, like now protection has to happen because it's like, a, I just see it as martial arts. The person won't stop. They won't stop. They won't stop. So they get punched in the mouth. You know what I mean? It's just like, I'm against the wall. I can't go anymore. I've asked you to stop. I've tried to run away. Think, you know, because one side is based on truth. It's trying to have a discussion and we want more information. That's at least my personal view on, on the way I've seen the discussions. One side is vehemently attacking, um, giving, you know, no science or really crappy science. Then when it's disputed, it's a hasty attack and it's not going like that on the other way. And that coupled with mass censorship, um, it does seem like there's one side being very, very aggressive in this. And so I'm wondering if you want to just speak on my rant there, because it's just something that I've been processing lately and thinking about. And that's the uh, analogy I have. <laughs> No, first of all, I want to salute you. I mean, I applaud you for being the person that you are. You're able to look at this stuff. You're able to see what people are doing. When you say they attack you, it's known as ad hominem. You know, it's like against the human being, against the person. They don't have anything else, right? So it's against the person. And the thing I want to share with you is that, and this is so sad, right? Um... I know people, I know this one person, okay? Um, let's just call her, you know, Marion, right? And all she does with me when I post is she says, nonsense, stupid, 
she uses derogatory stuff, she uses invective, right? It's verbal violence, right? And here's the thing, here's the thing, Matt. This is not something that's just a vacu in a vacuum for them. This is how she was with her own daughter. She didn't listen. Her daughter is not speaking to her. Her daughter has been alienated from her for the longest time. So that wall that she puts up to you is the same one that has served her in good stead in her life. The same thing with my sister, my own sister, right? Um, she's really adamant about where she is. Doesn't want to listen. Does not want to listen. I say, but you're basing this on a house of cards. There's nothing there. And here's the proof. Here's no, I don't listen. La la, like the kid. La la, la, la. I'm not gonna listen to you, right? And again, did I feel heard when I was growing up? Did I feel heard from her, you know, as an adult? No, she's always had this difficulty in just opening up and listening. So it's not like these people all of a sudden become this. And this is where you can tell it's, I'm so sorry to have to say this, it's like a litmus test, right? To know who's really present, who's got integrity, who's gonna open up and really hear, and who's shut off and just imprisoned in fear. You know, you'd be surprised how many people turn out to be the ones that are imprisoned in fear that you thought, that you thought were there that you could deal with. I have good friends that I've been friends with. And then all of a sudden she supports Bill Gates. Are you serious? <laughs> really? And I had no idea, right? There's the, there's that wall that came up, but that wall was there. It's in her life, right? It's a, it's a present thing that her children in all probability experience. She probably, she experienced it one time so badly, that wall, that she took her fist and smashed it into a mirror and injured her hand. That's how badly she was walled. But we look at these people and we see that we think we can convince them. And there's certain people, of course, that are open to the evidence like yourself, always open and it's beautiful and I salute you and it's great. But there are others to whom the evidence means squat because they operate under a different thing. You know, Sinclair Lewis had this thing about how a person will not understand something that their salary requires them not to understand. If they were getting a salary to be a certain way, they're not going to understand it and do this other thing because, you know, their remuneration depends on it. Just like that woman I gave you the example of whose daughter was molested, but her husband is a breadwinner, can't turn him in because she depends on him for, you know, material support, right? So there's that. So you always have to look at the deeper issues, right? You can't approach them from the evidence standpoint because that's knocking on the door and that's banging the head on the wall there. It's not gonna work like that. But it is, it will work if you try a circuitous way and you being a martial arts, you understand about how the circuitous way works, right? It's, it's about understanding that there are many layers to the wall that these people put up and let's try it another way, right? Yeah, sometimes yeah, well, it can work that way. Yeah, I agree. And, and uh, you know, it's, 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 I think one of the challenges that is when I post, I don't want to be combative, but I want to say the truth. And I'm not going to not say it because you don't like it. But <laughs> my, because of my initial reaction is always aggression. 
I'm a uh, very aggressive person naturally. I'm just innately a very gr- aggressive caveman. I'm violent in my mind. And martial arts helps me not do that. You know what I mean? I, I know how I want I want to like say it, but my training and me knowing what being a good person is and how I want to show up in the world, I choose another avenue. But when, when I see somebody doing and saying something that, yeah, like it's, you're being violent in your words to me. And what I would like to do is reply violently back because that's my initial, that's how I'm wired, but my training and my decision to do my best to be honorable. I'm not perfect by any means. I frig up a lot. Sometimes I might be a little bit uh, wordy, but I do my best to just take a breath and, and, and try and remain honorable, even though there's this aggression on the other side and it really, it, it's bothersome. Um, but I'm reminded of uh, this great interview with Yuri Bezmanov, who's his former ex-KGB psychological operations. And he says, once you get to this certain state of psychological manipulation, no amount of evidence or proof will sway them on the other side. And you couple that with the understanding of what fear does to the mind. And I've done a lot of study on fear and consciousness because I want to learn about, um, well, handling fear for peak performance right? You need to always handle to be a world-class athlete. For me to push myself as an athlete, do certain things, you have to be able to handle fear and be very present. And interestingly, when fear is present in the body and the mind, it releases chemicals, norepinephrine and, and different things like that. And what it does is it limits pattern recognition. So you're not available for new information. In that fear set, you actually can't even take it in. You're so fearful, you, you, you can't accept it because your brain isn't operating on that level. And so it's so important um, that we learn how to handle our fear, that we are open to a discussion. Because if I'm open to a discussion on the complete other side and you give me evidence, I've had it before where I saw some, some I believe something, somebody gave me really strong evidence the other side. I'm like, ooh, I, I changed it because that's really great evidence. And it doesn't feel so good because you're like, oh, it's way off there. Um, but at least it allows you to grow. And that's what we need to be open to do. But um, in, in a really great teaching that I, I like uh, for the formula for truth, it talks about choosing the person over the information. So my friend might have an opposing view, but I'll choose that person and say, why do you believe this? You know, and get to an understanding and you don't even have to have my beliefs and I don't even need to tell you them. I'm going to choose you as the individual and not berate you and not talk down to you and just say, okay, cool. That's interesting. You know, what made you come to these beliefs? How do they help you? You know, you know all that kind of stuff. And it's like, I, I won't have to impose my beliefs on you for us to be friends. I'm going to choose you, my friend, over a difference in belief system, which could be religious. It could be political. Um, it could be any sort of thing. You know, like Trump is like one of those hot topics out there. You can't say anything positive about Trump, um, even though like I've posted before. I was like, you can hate Trump, but like I'm happy he kicked out the World Health Organization. Uh, he just recently said he's not going to make masks mandatory. Um, and in Canada, you know, to give an opposing thing, like the legislation of what our prime minister did, he funded the Chinese Communist Party, which is very dangerous. That's what our prime minister did. Trump didn't do that. Um, and if he did, I'd be like, Trump, that son of a gun, he did something so bad, right? He talked about hydroxychloroquine and everybody, you know, was so upset about that. Turns out that that's a real thing. And I was like, I'm just looking at the policy. You can think he's a dink, not like the man, all you want, but it should be an open space for somebody to say, I agree with that policy, but it's not a safe space. You get, you get clubbed. And then, you know, I even had a friend accuse me being a racist. 
And that's how fat, that's how crazy the programming is because what they, what happens in the mass psychology is if you, if you don't hate Trump with all of your guts, you're automatically a racist. And that's how strong it is that I even had that accusing me. And I said, show me the example because I know that I'm not, you know? And then I th- and then on a, on a side note, I considered that. I said, like, okay, what is a racist? And what I came up with was there's also ignorance, right? So somebody could be ignorant and say, hey, did you know that that's a racist thing? And if you go, oh, that is my apologies. And then they, they change their behavior. I feel like that's, you know, what a racist is. Cause there's also ignorance. I don't know a lot about a lot of different cultures, like native American, my native American teacher. Um, he'd say, you're probably going to do a bunch of things that insult me. Cause I don't know how that culture works. So I, I know that I'm not racist. Cause when I meet his mom and I meet his family and if I would do something and they would tell me, I would, I would, you know, go, you know, maybe it's not a handshake. They do a different handshake. It's different things. I, di- I didn't know, right? So if you, if you know in your guts that you're racist and you're like, I don't like them because of this and you know, you're going to feel that. But if you know you're a good person and you do something offensive, you hear that feedback and you change it immediately, then, you know, then you're probably cool. But now we have uh, all these people just, you know, this means you're racist. This means you're anti this. This means like cancel culture. And it's just crazy madness out there to say uh, anything that you might believe you know, and I think that's what we need as a society is we need to be open to have discussions, but we're not having discussions right now. We're having violent attacks and I see it really happening only uh, way more frequently on one side of these equations. They're very, very violent. It's very aggressive. And the interesting thing is they'll often accuse the other side of the thing that they're being. You're violent. You know, I was like, what? No, that's not, that's not right. I was just, you know, trying to have a discussion and, and since it's not working. So I'm just rambling now. You want to speak to that? No, no. I, <laughs> I, I think what you're saying is absolutely true. You're 100% right. You're 100% right about this. You know, um, uh, you know, people are going to see, we always have to look. There's like two, two things to look at. One is, you know, who's benefiting? Who's benefiting from this? Who's benefiting from my sister going into this little funk and just, you know, not wanting to take anything? I mean, she's exactly like my newspaper. My newspaper will never entertain anything from the other side. They will never entertain anything on masks actually being dangerous in any way, shape, or form. Just like, you know, uh, in the last two years, three years, they would never entertain anything negative to vaccines. Never. You know, we cannot take it in. You know, this is, so her mind becomes propagandized in the same way that there, which is like, if you take this stuff in, here's the other fear. Talk about the fear. You take this stuff in, your, your, your belief system may not hold up anymore. You know, you take it in and it's going to collapse. And then where will you be? Right? Oh my God, I'm going to be without my security blanket. You've taken that away from me. See, this is why when I come, I realize what makes me fearless, right? Is love. Because I am not afraid that if you take away this belief system or that belief system or show me wrong here or there, that I will not be loved, that I won't be safe. My, 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 my access to love cannot be, you know, taken away. It's inviolable. It's, it's inviolate. It cannot be taken away. So if I feel like I have enough love that I can look anything in the face and not worry about, hey, you know, my world is going to come tottering down. 
because you know, a lot of people with 9-11, for instance, or with this, oh my God, if these people are lying, then, oh, wow, what does it say? Where will I be? You know, who will I be? It's like they have this childlike faith that their whole being is bound up with even believing a lie. And if they should question that lie, then everything will collapse and they will lose whatever grounding and safety and sense of security they have in the universe. So that's a hard thing. You know, it's like you're taking their security blanket. Just beware. If you're going to take the security blanket from them, have the real thing there for them. You know, have it be there for them to give to them so they don't feel like you've taken something really precious and they've lost it and they're lost. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that's speaking to like the cognitive dissonance where it would shatter your model of the world. Yeah. And for me, it's interesting because I didn't have like the quote unquote awakening. I was just uh, through martial arts, I think it was, right? Mind, body, spirit, uh, really questioning things, the limits. Of, I, just, I just thought a little bit differently. And so it was like an evolution of like something's off here. I'm like, oh, that's what's off. Oh, wow. And it was just more like I just couldn't believe how bad it was. And, you know, and you feel alone and it's like this most people aren't curious about these things. I feel like we don't extend our compassion as a culture. And so with, with this coronavirus stuff, it's you have these people talking about, um, you know, basic virtue signaling has come out of nowhere. And another thing I've kind of figured out is I see a lot of people attacking uh, people who've committed their life to this, you know, like I have um, done my best for probably 15 years to, to make a difference, to do something positive. I have almost 400 episodes of a podcast where I've done my best effort and to try to do something good. I've worked on some projects to try to do some good. And, and I see a lot of health experts in fields and I know them and they've changed their lives to commit to doing something good. Now we have people who run the status quo. They do their nine to five job. They don't really go outside the box too much, but maybe they don't help their community all that much. They have an opportunity to tear down people um, who have committed to this without doing anything. And that speaks to like that, that laziness and like just that type of character is like, you know what, I haven't done anything, but now I can be virtuous to shame you. Even though if you look at that individual, you can say, Hey, like that person, like this doctor, for example, right. They're, any, they're taking out uh, Senator Scott Jensen, right. They're, they're messing with him now for speaking out. This guy's got a track record of being a doctor and an awesome person. Uh, my friend, Dr. Bear Lando, uh, Sayer G they're attacking from green med oh, info. They're I right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you know him, right. That's how, that's how we met. Um, and so th these guys have track records of commitment to the truth and, and massive censorship and guess who sense uh, in, you know, who has massive censorship? China does. Guess who's killing their own people? China. Guess who uh, also has a video? Uh, I've seen video of people blindfolded and on their knees getting on trains. Now, China. So there's something going on, you know? And so that culture is all of a sudden come here real fast in, into this world. And so it seems like this, you know, idea of um, a certain group of people are able to shame and not look at somebody's track record by doing what they've always done, which is maybe just go with the flow status quo, but not really contribute to their community or society anyway. And it gets, just gives them this, this like false sense of pride and they're really going for it, you know, and I've seen people, you know, I know who they are as individuals and they do their thing and that's fine. But as far as contributions to community or humanity and commitment to that, 
maybe not so much, you know what I mean? Maybe there's some room for improvement, but nonetheless, they're, they're being very aggressive to other people who have done their best to contribute to uh, research, to um, put out positive information in the world. So it's a very fascinating double think, uh, you know, and, and switcheroo that I'm, that I'm uh, witnessing. And it's like the uh, one side is like, the side that I feel is not taking the time to educate themselves and to have an open discussion with mutual respect is clubbing the other side. Right. But I think if you just said what you said, if you came from that place, look, I've done my best. I've put out all these podcasts. I've always been in integrity. I've tried to do my best. This is where I'm coming from. And you choose to insult me. And maybe you think that's right or that's justified. Where I'm sitting, that's just hurtful. Tell them. Tell them that hurts me. You know, I've really tried. I've done my best. I've always been open. I've always been committed. I've always been willing to look. And that's me. And here's my track record. And you coming and telling me that I'm crazy and just throwing invective at me, it's hurtful. I just need you to know that. You know, and sometimes that just stops it dead in its tracks, you know? It's like, having a video camera being beaten by a policeman at that point, you hold up the mirror and this is what you're doing. And they, they, they catch themselves, you know? You know, it's interesting because for me, it's happened with a, a few friends and they've definitely said some really hurtful things. And it's funny because some of the solutions I've had to try to communicate back, I've done my best to be speak like that and you know it's so interesting how almost nothing lands um but you know it's like no matter what you say nothing lands it's, it's wild um but you know i think i think as a collective that's kind of what i'm witnessing when i when i look at other people doing the same thing like having the courage to speak out right like i just use um the trump one because it's so polarizing he's like the the one thing that's so faux pas you could never you know say anything positive about it. i was like well you could look at the one thing and talk about that discussion point just that one thing we're not saying he's a good guy we're not saying he's the best speaker you could call him a racist all you want um you know sh show the evidence but he could be he could be a racist if he were and he could maybe kick out the world health organization that's corrupt and make vaccines optional because when people are investigating like myself forced vaccines scare me with id chips and all that stuff that scares me so if he does something that says that's optional that makes me i'm i'm happy with that thing but it also doesn't make me a trump lover or a racist it makes me take one decision and say that's a, a decision that i agree with but you can't that's not even acceptable right now you know that's an unacceptable thing to say to 90 percent of people in america and that's where i think the danger is because it's so uh intense you know, you got to be able to look at things individually. And one thing I wanted to add, yeah, definitely comment on that. But I wanted to ask just your, your view on like, what do you think we do for a solution here? How do we move forward as a humanity? Because I got my mom freaking out a little bit, my, my aunt freaking out. They just basically, they, they, they woke up pretty hard to all this kind of stuff. Because I think, as you said, for the litmus test, they're surprised too at like, they'll go in and they'll, they'll think that their friend is going to be on point And then their friend is not and then like lose a friend or it, 
because this is a whole new water for them, right? And it's the sad thing is how polarizing it is. It's polarizing enough to destroy friendships of 30 years. And that to me is like, oh. something is off. You know what I mean? Something is way off if, if that's how powerful this is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, going just back for a second to your thing about Trump, you know, you know, maybe this sounds a little um, condescending, but you can always say even a broken clock is right twice a day, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you can always say, I mean, you have to be a little bit nuanced with Trump. You're absolutely right. He said some amazing things that were right on point in terms of this whole pandemic, you know, with the HCQ and other things as well. He's been totally on target. So the, the interesting thing is people just associate me, oh, you're a Trumpian, because I put out stuff that has to do with objective truth. I'm, I'm, I'm for Trump. It's, it's like that, right? But I want to just get back for a second to what you were saying about um, nothing lands, right? Um, and this is so polarizing, right? Um, and and uh, first of all, understand that that's a result that's really celebrated by these criminal elite that is putting this out. That's a, the result they really like to pit us against each other. You notice that they pit us by harnessing altruism. These people that have, you know, made altruism a bad word that come from, that exalt toughness, that exalt being sadistic and consciencelessness and unprincipled these people will use altruism against us like do it for others you're just being selfish if you don't wear a mask you're just being this or you that and they pit us against each other and i have to tell you that the social distancing and all these little mumbo jumbo rituals they put in our path they're the exact opposite of how we actually need to be so we have to figure out how we can come together despite that. It has to be. Well, let's say that we look at, you know, I don't know how the breakdown goes. I swear I would dearly like to know, but it's the lies from that end there are such that I don't know whether, you know, it's 70% of the population that really is starting to wonder and question and really become cynical about this whole thing, and maybe 30 or 40% that are diehard believers. I don't know, right? I'm not sure, or whether it's like a majority of people are diehard believers and that the, you know, it's only like maybe 20% that are not. I don't know, right? But I do know this, that everybody is, we don't have, right now, we don't have to reach everybody, okay? All we need to do is go out and connect with the people who share our beliefs, right? You know the concept of the hundredth monkey, right? We need to just get enough people to reach critical mass, right? Where it won't happen by writing to our congressmen or having demonstrations. It'll happen by collectively going out. I can't even get people to just help me make a flyer that would have salient bullet points about why masks are dangerous and to punch it up with some graphics and you know, animated or just some illustrations and stuff. And just to go to every Rite Aid 
or every supermarket or every trader just and hand these things out, hand them out to people. You know, I get one response saying, oh, you want me to go beat and get beaten up by doing this? My husband won't like that. I said, excuse me, I wasn't even talking about your husband. I was saying, just do it as a group. Do it as a group. Have a group of people just handing these out. How do you think the abortion um, movement won its gains? Because they went and picketed doctor's offices, abortion clinics, they went out and they spoke to those mothers that wanted to go and get those abortions. And we need to get, but I've never seen anybody, I've never seen anybody, even when the vaccines, the flu shots were free, being out there in front of a, a Rite Aid or a CVS and saying, you know, you want a million dollars, I have a way to get it. Just go ahead and get a flu shot, get really sick, and then you can go and get a payout for the, you know, the, uh, the, the kangaroo court, and they'll give you a million dollars for the damage. This is a way to do that, you know, to just use people's thing against them, to be humorous, to bring it out, to give them the data, and to let them take it home with it. Not everyone will land, but out of 10, you might get three. You might get four that will look at this. But I can't get people to do this. I can't get people to mobilize and come together. Even the ones that are in our camp, they will write things that indicate they're totally on bored with everything, but why don't we take what we know, which is so powerful, and just disseminate it? But it's, I'm having a hard time just getting people to do that. But that's what we need to do. Start with that. Start with the visibility. Start with coming together, organizing, and realizing that, you know, we have right on our side. Look, you know, in the 18th century, when they wanted to end slavery, you know, Wilberforce, was talking about the slaves in Haiti and the sugar, the sugar plantations. And, you know, English people gave up drinking tea. They didn't have social media in those days. They barely had little mimeograph machines to like, you know, put out these little handbills. But they gave up drinking tea. They, they actually came together and said, we don't want this. We don't want slavery anymore. And they abolished it without a civil war. Because they came together and they started thinking alike, and they collaborated, right? And they said, you know, the sugar is what's, you know, enabling the slavery, the sugar plantations in Haiti and in, in, in the, the New World. That's what's enabling it. So we're gonna stop drinking sugar. I mean, stop taking in our tea. We're gonna stop doing that. And lo and behold, they had the power to just bring the whole slavery movement to a halt, and they abolished it. They passed laws in Britain that abolished it. And this was like 30 years before, 30 years before they, they ever did anything like that here with this big, huge civil war. Just ignore that. Wow. I didn't know that. That's amazing. I love that story. And that's what I'd like to see is, is moving towards solutions because I feel like for yes. me, when I look at this, it's so big and I feel helpless at times, you know, I kind of yes. go up and down. I'm like, I want to make a positive impact. What the heck can I even do? And if it, you've seen the negative agenda, you know, you probably UN 2030 and the chips and the whole thing, it's all written down. It's all public oh. and it's all terrifying strategic strategic dot intelligence from the world economic oh. forum that was at event 201 doing a simulation on what we're experiencing now and Rockefeller documents for future scenario, literally what we're in now with the huge money trail. The evidence is so firm and outstanding and that where they want to go is terrifying. And so sometimes like, oh my God, like, you know, what are we going to do? And so I, I like to believe and have hope that we have solutions. And, and I think that 
that's a really good idea. So what, what do you think we can do to move towards and create a peaceful solution to what's happening now? Well, you know, I was saying the same thing when it was back when we were doing vaccines. I said, where is the visible protest movement? You know, they, they came up with this great film, Vaxed, right? And Vaxed too. And I have people that are like committed anti-vaxxers that never heard about it. They never knew about it. What? Why? Why? Why do you play this so close to the vest here? Why are you out just broadcasting this to everybody? You know, right now, I think that knowledge is power. I think that there is a whole, let's say there's, um, for argument purposes, let's say there's 30% of people that are diehards, like you're talking about. I'm talking about, you know, the, the aunts and the moms and the sisters, right? They're diehard in one camp, right? And then there are 30 people, 30% who are committed and awake and knowledgeable, right? That leaves 40% in the middle who can be, they're swing voters, like, as so to say. They're, they're on the fences. Those are the people we need to go to, not to preach to our choir side and not to preach to the side that's gone over to the dark side, okay? Because they're not reachable at this point. And we don't want to bang our heads against too much against the wall and waste our time with it. But in the middle, there's 40% we have. We can go and reach them. We can basically give them information. I promise you that with vaccines, it was the strongest possible thing. You're talking about babies. I mean, there's nothing more precious than our children to see them be devastated and damaged and and basically lobotomized by vaccines. That's a crime against humanity. There's no mother that'll be unshaken by that. And you give them the information, but nobody ever appeared. You know, we have these people in Sacramento who, you know, were going to have a referendum when that stupid Pan, Richard Pan, passed that second bill. But they just faded into the woodwork because they decided no referendum, you know? And I think that between you and me, some of these are like fake opposition, you know? They're not really there to oppose, they're de- there to give the impression they are, and meanwhile, to sabotage any real movement that happens. So I say, you know, we need to get moving in terms of just reaching out to that 40% that's undecided, all the swing voters that will come our way if we just give them the right information. I promise you they will come our way. We approach them with dignity, we approach them with with consideration and and respect and love and give them this information it was it would be impossible not to be swayed by it yeah i i absolutely agree with that and i feel like your points there of um approaching with dignity and respect and love i feel like on the information side when i see the debates going back and forth one is sharing a lot of information uh, doing their best to be patient and on the other side is like mayhem and just blind belief and like you guys are killing everybody it's like when I think about what truth is, like that seems a little bit more aligned and, and really cooperative space, right? Of, of sharing that. And, and that's how the information and the knowledge is able to evolve so quickly because it's a group that's like, okay, if, if now the evidence is tilting over here, we can refine that and now make a new decision and be open enough to, to modify our actions and our beliefs due to new information because we can, we can have an open stream, an open dialogue. And so it's a much more cooperative, collaborative experience. And for me, um, that tends to be 
the side of truth. And then the other side of it is, you know, being fortunate to have a podcast and have amazing people who really investigate things. We're all coming to the same conclusions. Yes. Like if you see this yeah. and it just, it just stacks on one, at, one after another. Um, right. I've, right. I was going to add another point, but do you want to go ahead? Cause I, go, go I, ahead, go ahead. I don't want to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, no, go I was ahead. Just making a note. Well, the note I was making here was like when you said, they throw invective at you. See, I look at that. The minute they do that, the minute they throw invective at you, they're lost. They have nothing. They have nothing at this point, right? It's because it's only people that are bankrupt of all, all cogency and all of rationality will, will you know, be reduced to saying you're crazy because that's all they have left. You know, from martial arts, you should be able to appreciate this saying, the moment you unsheath the sword, you've lost you've lost the moment you unsheath the sword, mm. right? Mm -hmm. The moment you come from that place, you don't have anything. You've just shown me who you are because, you know, I'm on Twitter and I can deal with shills and I see them and I know them, right? <laughs> and I can spot a shill because after a point, that's all they have. They will make fun of you. They will mock you. They will contempt. They will come with contempt. They will pretend that you're crazy and they will try and marginalize you that way. And I just take it and, you know, I say, you know, it depends. I say a lot of things. I say sometimes if they're really rude, I say, is this how you talk to your children? Or is this how you talk to people that are close to you? And how does that work for you to be that way with them? And it stops them. Or sometimes I say, look, I think you maybe just need to take a walk on the beach right now, calm off. You know, come back when you're a little bit more centered and we can have a discussion. You know, there's a lot of ways to do this, but ultimately, Matt, we have to realize we don't want to, con we don't need to convince that, that other people, that other think that's opposite from us. We just need to go into the middle and there's all these people. Every, every time I go out, I was at Big Lots yesterday. Big Lots is a chain here. And the, the cashier tells me, oh, you got to wear your mask. And I say, excuse me, but I throw up when I wear one. You know, do you want me to throw up on your floor? Should I throw up on the mask? Because it'll choke me if I do. You know, I open up that vein of conversation with them. And then when I come to check out, I tell her straight out, you know, wearing a mask the way that you do eight hours a day will sicken you. The mask will make you sick. And I say it really seriously. And I look in the eyes and I know it lands somewhere because, you know, um, there are people that are getting sick. I mean, these poor people in supermarkets that in Costco that have to wear these eight hours a day for five days a week. I mean, seriously, you're doing major oxygen deprivation to your brain. You're doing major oxygen deprivation to your blood and you're removing your own defenses and you're creating a susceptibility to infection. You're actually making yourself sick with the mask. Seriously, people need to know that and they would be really appreciative. There's a whole segment of the population would love to know that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And even if you look at the, they talk about the mask science and you actually look at the studies, there's more evidence that it, it lowers your, uh, you know, that it, you can, essentially be harmed from wearing a mask and it's just common sense and i know this from martial arts if i disrupt your breathing 
It's uh, not ideal for your recovery. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, maybe if you have to wear a mask for a second, it's not uh, night and day, but if you want to weaken the immune system, wear a mask for a long period of time, disrupt the yeah. breathing, right? Imagine just being choked a little bit. And again, just from the martial arts perspective, if you're grappling, you always want to disrupt the breathing because it's, you know. it's harmful. You're, you know, breath is everything going out, you know, and it's just so backwards. You can't go to the gym. You can't go play in parks. It makes no sense at all. These are things that we need. You need to social distance. I saw a video of, of kids hugging. You know, the psychological trauma and damage we're doing to kids right now from, from all this crap and watching the parents put masks on kids and just, and just abide to what's happening without critically thinking and looking at what's happening and, and what's, you know, like, oh, okay. And the crazy thing to me is like, I've, you know, in March is saying it's 0.26 because that's what the evidence was and all the stuff we're doing. Still, kids are totally fine. Even when all the evidence comes out that asymptomatic doesn't spread, which they said they did, it's, it's uh, what did they say it was going to be 3.6 or, or 2.6 right. uh, death rate, which was high, right? It's 0.26 or 3.4, right. I think they originally said, right? And even um, then it's all inflated. Yeah. And then, and then the inflated deaths, it's not dying because of COVID. Like you're walking down the street, somebody breathes in your face you, you, or you went to church and everybody caught COVID and then they died. Nuh-uh. It was the people who were 80 years old with pre-existing conditions that died of those pre-existing conditions, then got tested by a test that is not in any way uh, like scientifically refu- reputable um, and said they died with it. So you had this antibody. But again, if you look at how the test is done, it's not even it's not even a good marker for that it's like so it's insane and so now that we have all this evidence and we know this to be true that that you can't refute those things and we're still wearing masks and we're still social distancing and we know suicides are up we know domestic abuse is up we know people are losing their jobs and businesses um we know that that they're messing with the food now and going even further and so you know, when does it, when, when do people look at any of that and stop? But it's like, it's just, they've been entrenched in this, in this thing. And I just wanted to say the one thing um, about, you say 30% on one side, 30% on the other side, in the middle, what I believe to be true anyway, is, is so many people are afraid to speak their truth. And I did a post about that. Who's afraid to speak, speak up because they're going to get whack-a-mole, you know, people are going to attack them. So many people said yes. And maybe more people need to have that courage to stand up um, and take that beating all, even if it's crappy or someone coming to their defense, because at least with the podcast, um, it's like a track record of who I'm trying to attract what I'm trying to be. So if it's a breakaway civilization, I'll go with the breakaway civilization. I know the people who said, you know, who want to do contract tracing and, and turn them in with a mask. That's literally what they, like the Nazi Germany references, unfortunately are very valid. You studied Nazi Germany. I studied the propaganda in Nazi Germany. We're watching that happen right now. And if you're telling on your neighbors and if you're just listening, that is what they did and how they did it. And you have to question if what you're doing is morally right. Take the time to investigate and critically think. And I'm always going to be supportive and collaborative with my neighbors. I'm always going to do what's best for public interest. Uh, I would wear a mask if there was evidence and there wasn't so much other information that there are groups of people doing this on purpose and it's, it has nothing to do with the virus. It has to do with your submission. And I know that from investigation and listening, and it's, it's very certain if I, if I thought even there was a small chance I was going to go around and infect people and harm people, I wouldn't do that. Um, but there, there's no leg to stand on. So if we can 
have the courage to even just put the flag of what we stand for and, and where we are. We don't need to know everything, but that's what they'll say. Oh, you're no doctor. So <laughs> you're not a doctor, but I, the only thing you can say if you're not a doctor is you can force propaganda. Anybody can do that and not be a doctor. But if you say anything opposing like right. vaccines or whatever, then it's totally fine. So I think just standing firm and, or even posting things and, and inviting a discussion, having that type of bravery, because I feel like a lot of people are on the fence right and they and they're looking at things and when you post one thing here and there there's that that person who's critically thinking because when you watch the debates it's not even close it's like mike tyson versus a child because there's there's no there's no evidence so it's not it's built on cards it's you know it's it's nothing it's it's all bullcrap right you're right totally i mean i said the same thing with vaccines i said it's it's like arguing with a two-year-old you know they have nothing they have no arguments i have I have vaccine arguments that will just, you know, are so overwhelming that you could not stand up to them because the whole thing is built on, on smoke and mirrors, you know, but th there was something that you uh, said here about um, uh, the enablers, right? Um, the, the, you know, you get mad, right? I, I, I relate to that, that you feel angry and you feel mad. I relate to that because I feel passionate about it because the truth is that people like my sister who are innocent, people like my friend who, you know, is John Kerry support, I mean, uh, Bill Gates supporter, you know, people like that, they're enabling this thing to move forward. It's on their backs that it's moving forward because they're the ones that basically support it, right? And um, yeah, and, and I could see how that would be angering, right? It would make you angry because, oh my God, don't you see you're putting all of us at risk here with this attitude and we need to come together. But again, we need to just drop them where they are and move on to the people we can convince. And um, one of the things that we can really speak to, because we have our own fear channels, we can invoke and we can do this with uh, with the basis of, of truth behind it, which is the, you just uh, very tangentially mentioned it, was the swab, right? The whole business mm. of putting a swab into the area that's just adjacent to the brain. You know, no medical necessity for that. It is a dangerous thing to do. And basically, I just heard that people that have, have had tests have had pain for days afterwards. You know, the olfactory bulb from through which you smell is right there, right on the cusp of the brain, right? Which is why your nose is your channel to the brain, you, the, you know, the ability to smell, which is why, you know, with, with uh, COVID people, their sense of smell becomes uh, neutralized. And I don't know, you know, to what degree they're actually creating the so-called, you know, disease in the process of testing for it by infecting the brain. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's hard to know. I just know that it's a cruel procedure. It's unnecessary. It causes pain and it shouldn't be happening. Yeah, that's another, you were the one who brought that up and, I, and I'd seen it come somewhere else and, I, and then I saw you post it again. You know, you can just do the swab inside the mouth. Why would you go to, you know, you, you're the one who posted that study. That's like, don't touch that area. Like you leave that area alone. It's, you don't need that. So Very if you can get DNA from inside the, you know, inside the mouth, why in the world would you do that? And, and uh, that's why each, 
each one of these things, how they do the testing, how the testing's made, death rate, all, any one of them you investigate, you recognize that what is being said and what is actually happening are two very different stories. And uh, yeah, and then, you know, it's, it's a political year, right? And, you know, then it gets into some politics stuff. But the way that I, I had a, a journalist on in Canada and he just said fascism's when corporations influence um, politics. Six. Right. You know what I mean? And so if you look at the influence, when I worked on, uh, we were going to do an event that was called blacklisted to talk about the persecution of fallen Dafa in China, which has been happening for 20 years. And they're taking peaceful people that practice basically it's like meditation buddhism that that kind of thing a little bit different and uh putting them in jail and forcibly uh harvesting their organs well the financial ties from china and u.s and in canada are so strong that if your business or anybody of importance or any uh kind of clout uh an, an actor somebody with the platform you get blacklisted from china and so now we have this unprecedented censorship unprecedented and that's the scary thing that people need to understand that this has never happened in history. And all of these legitimate people are being uh, censored very aggressively. So you're not even going to be able to get that other side. And so when you see very aggressive censorship or a book burning um, from back in the day, you know that something is up and something is, is, is very up. And then, you know, I don't care. You know, we talked about the Trump thing. It's not a left or a right thing. It's just, is it true or not in this circumstance? Is it true or not that uh, the Clinton invest uh, Foundation is very suspect and has done a very, uh, you know, a lot of people want them for crimes, crimes against humanity. And is there a ton of evidence that they've done a lot of shady stuff? Yes. Is there a lot of shady stuff in like some of the Democratic states with, you know, the looting and Antifa connected to George Soros? It's just, just what it is. And then you look at what's happening. It's like, it's like weights and scales. If you're going to put uh, somebody on trial for murder, you listen to both sides. And then when you do that, the scales start to tip. And so it's like, okay, well, maybe, you know, some of these people are, are paid off, you know, may, like what will happen? So I know that if the Democrats get in, um, what will happen is Hillary won't have to go to trial. Now, it, could I be off and all this kind of stuff and, and we need Biden to win and he's the greatest guy in the whole world? Maybe. Uh, maybe Trump gets in and, and Trump is bringing in the new world order and he's evil. Maybe. I have no idea. But what I am seeing is that this is an election year and there's a lot of fishy things going on. And a lot of people in a governorship like Governor Newsom in California just creating draconian laws, the same in Australia, who's, you know, they're probably bought out by a corporatocracy. So this is going beyond politics. These are just the representatives in there to enforce some sort of paid for agenda of global vaccinations or whatever crap, because we're experiencing it in Canada as well. Uh, Australia is really, really bad. And, um, you know, if you look down the line, there's some stuff that is not ideal. So we need people on both sides. It doesn't matter if you're Democratic. It doesn't matter if you're Republican. We need good, trustworthy, honest people going after the truth and, and doing what's right. Because it's not hard to see that there's a lot of baloney and misdirection and crap going on um, that, that's easy to investigate and figure out. Right. Right. No, that's well said. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I think we just need to be careful that um, the, pol the political uh, population, that you know, the the people that are the front, there there are the front lines that are put there to basically 
run interference for the ones who are behind the throne pulling the strings, right? So you have a governor, a puppet governor like Newsom, who I call Noisom Newsom, because it's just so, it's just so in, unbelievable that, you know, 40 million people have to run their lives because this one man decides that these bogus figures are right and that he's going to go with those and therefore shut down the state. 40 million people just kowtow and follow one person. See, because he's the frontline person that's put in charge and all that, that is faith in, in his authority. It's like faith in a $1 bill. You know, if we withdraw it, we can tear it up and it means nothing. You know, faith in that authority is what we need to withdraw. We need to stop trusting. We need to stop trusting that anybody in a position of power is going to help us because they're basically all beholden to the powers that be behind the throne, right? So even if they make campaign promises, like for instance, going back, you know, a century, Woodrow Wilson, you know, idealistic man, supposedly, swore up and down that would never get America to the war, World War I. Soon as he went in, the powers that be worked on him. Colonel House was his uh, little Iago in his ear, you know, telling him what to do and forcing him. Apparently they had uh, the lowdown on his adulterous affair. They threatened to make it public, whatever. They had stuff on him. So he kowtowed and caved in and declared war. So, you know, half a million Americans died because of that decision, not to mention the fact that it uh, bred the seeds for World War II by virtue of... Uh, you know, creating the Versailles Treaty and allowing the British to win. Um, there are all these, these wheels within wheels that we cannot trust the political class. They cannot serve us. How long has this going to go on before we realize we need to come together? We need to have our own organizations, our own, you know, cooperative networks that allow us to work. You know, we're the ones that make it all work. You know, we have the skills for writing the code. We have the skills for, you know, growing the food. We have the skills for, you know, all of the coordination and distribution networks. We have it all. What do we need this 0.0, this 0.001% who basically doesn't know how to govern. They're just a bunch of psychos that want to rule the world. You know, like the Tears for Tears, Tears for Fear song. Oh, Everybody wants to rule the world. No, not everybody does. Most people just want to live their lives. Right? They just want to live their lives and have, you know, the, um, the courtesy to just be left alone to live. You know, but there is this 0.001% that wants to rule the world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They can only do it with our collusion. You know, they can only do it with our help. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I agree with that point. You know, even as a kid looking at politics, there needs to be a better, we need an upgraded system built on integrity i don't think like you know when you can give one person this much power to create like policy and I, I don't even pay attention to politics in canada or even in the u.s because i don't give a crap because it's like burger burger king and, and mcdonald's or you know best Buy future <laughs> so it's like the same thing so but we the people can come together and figure out so we need to upgrade the systems we need to make it obsolete there needs to be changes and we need to stop giving so much power to so few and and opting out is the way to do that and so when we can come together even in small pockets and have a few thousand people working together to one aim even a few hundred you can do incredible things you know what i mean and so i you know i want to be hopeful for the future because I, I definitely agree and um, when i look at planetary 
like global politics, I've just always get so curious, like how do these people, you know, like the Rockefellers and things like that, these people behind the scenes that have so much wealth and influence you never hear about, you know, it's like, how do we, how do we overcome that, create something better? And then, you know, disengage from, from a system that, that is based on that trauma, like you said, death and decay and basically satanism destruction and Mm. literally cannibalism and all kinds of craziness to one that thrives in harmony with life with peace that's cooperative that's forgiving that's compassionate um that's helpful right we know what those systems are so we um we resonate with that it it just is what it is and the systems that we live in now are not those and so you know what can we do i think this is like almost a melting pot from what we're experiencing of like this pressure cooker to rise up in some way to look for anybody or any group that's creating a solution that's cooperative so then we can just go opt into that say this is crazy i'm just gonna go opt in to this thing to build that because that's the, you know, the world that I want right. to live in. And I hope that starts to sprout up and I, I believe it will, but I'm, I'm so curious about this election and what's going to happen down in the States. And it's such a, this is a wild ride. There are people that have formed groups though. I can, I can turn you on to those, but you know, you made an interesting comment about the politicians being with the McDonald's and the, ha- and the Burger King, right? And you're from Canada, right? Okay, there's this great guy. He's probably my hero. I just I wish I remembered his name, but I can look it up and it's Jeffy. And he came up with this great analogy about the uh, the uh, black cats and the white cats. Did you see, did you remember it? Or did you, have you seen it? Oh, you got to see this. Because, you know, there was this kingdom of the mice, right? And they were ruled by the cats, right? And the politicians were very smart. They would put a black cat in office and then he would, you know, exhaust all his goodwill with the people, with the rats, with the mice. And uh, he would do all the bad things. Say, we want to get rid of him. Okay, then we got a white cat for you. Okay, then we got the white cat. The white cat does the same thing. And eventually it happened enough times to where the mice realized the problem is not the black and the white. It's the cat. The cats are always going to be hostile to us because we're mice. You know, they're always going to want to eat us and prey on us, right? So they had that realization that it's not the black and the white. It's just the fact that there are cats and we have to stop dealing with cats that are inimical to our well-being, right? And I wish I knew the name of that politician, but he was a great, great hero of mine. And he was a Canadian one. And he, he, lived, he lived and wrote during the 30s and 40s. Well, I love that analogy and what it makes me think of, I think one of the past guests was talking about it. It's just, these are the systems, these archetypes, right? And these, these ways of thinking are just enabling these systems. And so the people who, who uh, are naturally good or resonate with that type of mentality are able to thrive in that system. We're, we're, we're creating the avenue for those people to do those things with how our system's set up. And so that's what we need to do is we need to create something that is, that is better, that makes the old system obsolete because the problem is these ones really do a lot of, uh, a lot of oppressing and suppressing. Um, and so, yeah, so I'm just thinking like, okay, you know, I always get into the debate in my own mind of like the creator, like you do create your reality and I believe in that. And there are some people who don't have that opportunity 
in the world like I do, like a privileged Canadian or American or freedom. Not everybody lives in freedom. And that's where I kind of have this moral conundrum of like, what can we do to benefit others who don't have that same opportunity and, you know, recognizing and appreciating the freedom and ability I have and how can I extend that compassion and work to other people and do something. But when you realize the level and, uh, the mass number of harm that happens on this planet on a daily basis, whether you're looking at mm. starvation or human trafficking or people in slavery or whatever it is, it's, it's, it's a bit overwhelming. And I liked your point of, um, uh, I can't remember what you're talking about, but, um, you know, doing what you can with the community that you have, right? right? Looking, looking where you are because you can make a difference there. And I think the more of us that attune to that, we will get to the hundredth monkey that will allow that energy, vibration, intention, whatever you want to call it, to infect other people. And then it's just an invitation. It's like, hey, like you can come play over here. It's you know, it's cooperative more or less. It's not perfect, but it's more cooperative. And it's not, and it's not a system like communism or or whatever it's just it's more of like an intention and ideology that can um manifest naturally and organically like when i went to the parliament of world religions i learned the difference between religions and ideologies or um belief systems so religions usually have a reward consequence right so if you pick the wrong one holy crap you might have a terrible consequence um but some of the things like buddhism is more like a philosophy and ideology where you know but in in china I realized when I went to China, and that's how I know a little bit more than most about China, um, they took Buddhism and made it totally different than when I meditated with the monks in Tibet or Nepal. It was, uh, I meditated with Tibetan monks in Nepal, Um, but their Buddhism was completely different. Their way of life, their ideology, their thinking was completely different than what I learned about the Buddhism where I went to in China. And I'm sure there's lots of different um, ways, but they had taken it and made it very scary. And I was like, what? Right. This, right. Is, this is craziness. Um, but right. we've been talking forever and I could yes. talk to you. For, I, could, I could talk to you forever. This has been <laughs> such I a treat for tired. me. Um, I want to ask, is there anything that you wish that we had chatted about or anything that you... Um, you know, want to leave the listeners with specifically? Yeah, just, um, I I just wanted to let everybody know that we've been fed a propaganda line about love, right? That somehow power and uh, the instruments of power are more real and they're more uh, effective than the power of love. And that is just a propaganda line that they want us to believe. Because if we look at what we do, everything good in our lives is about love, right? It's about our families. It's about our children. It's about the relationship with our mothers and our fathers. There is everything that comes from that. And when we build on that, we come to where we have the basis for the family of man, you know, that the love that we draw and we recreate in our families becomes the basis for the love in the family of man. Ultimately, there are no human enemies. They're just unloving attitudes that can be changed. And the people in power do not have our well-being. They're not, they come from a different their allegiance is to a different order. It's a doomsday order that came with the collapse of our, of our terrestrial you know, home. And when we come from 
what's really important to our biology, to our psychobiology, we realize it's just about love. We're all the same. We all need to get along and to love each other. And anything that interrupts that process, anything that disrupts that process is, is evil. And, you know, once we come from that, it's very simple. It's a very simple thing. You know, there's no, there's no complicated ideologies to, to decode or complicated political machinations to, to, to work our way off of. You know, we just realize we're here together. And let's just love each other and understand that love is more powerful than the atom bomb. It can change our world and bring us together. And we have slaved for enough time for thousands of years. It's time that we gave ourselves the bliss that is our birthright. You know, the love and the bliss, they go together. And it's time, you know, it's time for us to have a sane world. If this is not the time, I don't know what is, seriously, right? Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And that was very eloquently put. Where can people find more about you if they want to dive into your work, if they want to give you props or shout at you on Twitter? Uh, where do they go to find out oh, excellent. Uh, more about you? <laughs> sure. So, so on Twitter, my handle is Epoch Changer, which is E-P-O-C-H, and then Changer, and it's just one word, Epoch Changer. That's the Twitter handle. On Facebook, um, they can just come under Neville Raymond, um, they are on Facebook and Instagram as well. Um, my email address is, um, it's a little bit of a tongue twister. It's revolution. I tried to get the, I tried to blend the word love and revolution. So I got revolution, but it's R-E-V-O-L-O-V-A-L-U-T-I-O-N at earthlink.net. So there's that. And then of course you can just, uh, just type in uh, nevillraymond.com and it'll take you to my website. And, uh, you know, it has my email address there as well. And uh, you can reach, just reach out to me in any of those forms. But I'd love to hear from you. You know, I'd love to hear from people. Um, I think that, and I'd love to get some reviews from my book on Amazon as well, uh, because it's such an amazing book. Um, and, you know, I'm sorry to admit that I have been uh, just busy writing the second one and then the third one now. So I haven't put energy into promoting it like I should, right? But so I appreciate the opportunity you gave me, Matt, to talk about it and to be such an amazing um, channel for all the wisdom that you bring. It's great to see that. I, I so applaud it and I salute it. And uh, how do I keep, stay in touch with you? Well, you've got my email, so we'll definitely be connected. And okay. this is, this is uh, yeah, this has been amazing. And, you know, uh, I looked at your work and I knew this was going to be awesome. And that first you know, just kind of lecture bit was so well done. You kind of prepared what you wanted to say and such a very important uh, thing. I, f I feel like culturally for us to take a look at and, and to dissect and to understand. And when I had uh, Alex Sakaris on, he talked about, like I, I referenced this before about uh, why evil matters and how we're just, we're not looking at it. We're having a cognitive dissonance to what's happening. I was like, I never really thought about that. Like we need to kind of be able to look at that because in my life, as I've gone forward and learn some things that were very terrible. No one ever wanted to talk about it. And so if we're not able to face it, if we're not understand, you know, his thing about understanding the evil and yours about the origin of this trauma that we have as a collective and how it's manifesting itself in systems, if we can have a look at it almost like modern day shatter work 
or you know people's right. individual psyches we can we can look at how that it's influencing our systems and then make new and different choices based on uh, different information. And if we don't, we also know just like the trauma patterns that they're going to keep running their cycles. They're going to keep, um, it's just going to keep unfolding until we kind of right. understand it, create some space from it and build something better. So really, really brilliant, really important. I definitely invite people to check out all your, your books, all your work, which is your, which is your newest book? Which one do you recommend? Oh, the, the- Right. The, the Reparenting Blueprint is about how we can actually do this, how we can actually come together in groups of ones and twos and threes and basically do the thing that, you know, we've been taught that only therapists can do, which mm. I don't subscribe to. And I show why and I show how that is a, a non-starter because there's too much pain in the world for therapy to deal to, you know, for accredited therapists to deal with. It's never going to happen. Plus they're expensive. The one, the kind of thing I'm talking about, which is the exchange of energy, it's unconditional. So I can't see ever charging money for that. It's something we give to each other because we realize we need to heal and there's no money that changes hands with it. It's just something we come together and give. And I mean, if you think about it, Unconditional love is our birthright. How can we charge money for it? Because that's what therapy ultimately is, is love, right? So the Reparenting Blueprint is about love and how we can give it to each other and how we can actually form the, um, the instruments, the, the little channels to, to, to pass it on to each other, to be each other's good parent. And it's a simple thing. Few rules, you know, you spend uh, uh, you know, half an hour learning the rules of tennis. You can learn this, the rules of this. It's not hard. Okay, it's it's not hard at all. And so the reparenting blueprint is about that. So it's more immediate, but the reparenting revolution is about a longer term, larger picture, you know, about how the, the bad news, you know, comets have been always bad news. Well, the bad news we read about in our morning paper, you know, harks back to the comets that were bad news for our ancestors. You know, the relationship is all there. It just it's a larger framework to look at it. Amazing. Amazing. Well, I definitely invite everybody to go check out those books. They're all available through NevilleRaymond.com. Yeah, and on Amazon for sure. On NevilleRaymond. Yes, NevilleRaymond.com. There's the Reparenting Revolution, the Reparenting Blueprint, and of course, the Genesis of Genocide, which is the attempt to uh, look at um, human beings even as evil as Hitler and realize that they were windows of opportunity where they could have been reached, where they could have been touched and their humanity reclaimed. And we could have had a different outcome to, to history. Amazing. Well, this has been a pleasure. I appreciate you Thank and you. your work. I definitely invite people to go check it out, uh, your website and all the stuff, but uh, thanks for coming on and everything you shared. This has been amazing. Thank you, Matt. And give your daughter a hug and I hope she, she recovers fully and she's great. Yeah, she had a little accident today. Almost yeah. gave me a friggin' heart attack, but she's okay. Oh. So, oh okay. God, man, it's uh, yeah, it's children. I don't know how parents do it, man. I'm. It's, I know. Uh, it's it's yeah. So I, I appreciate just, that. Just, <laughs> just be patient. The 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 three P's. I think patience is one of them. Uh, and this just uh, unconditional love. You know, I you know, it's it's never it's it's something that uh, kids will try you for. They will push your buttons, but that's what they're there for. They're just human, they're explorers, you know. They're there to to, to just love you. Uh, so that can never be taken away. So just enjoy that. I will. Well, thank you so much. Thank uh, you. Have a great day and uh, thanks everybody for watching. Thank you. Thank you, Pat. Thank you. Bye. Namaste.
Ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely phenomenal Neville Raymond. I hope that you enjoyed that show. Please share it everywhere you can if you enjoyed it. Tag Neville and myself on Instagram. Uh, He's on Twitter, Neville Raymond. I think it's underscore Raymond. Let us know what you think. If you have any questions, um, sign up for the email list at mattbelair.com. And if you want a free lucid dreaming ebook and guided meditation, go to bit.ly forward slash lucid dreaming. I think that's what it is, actually. I don't even I, I don't even know. I should figure that out. Um, but if you go to mattbelair.com, uh, you'll, you'll find it over there as well. But stay in touch via email because censorship is insane right now. And we are in some very interesting times. So if you want to stay connected, please do that. Thank you to all of my patrons. You help immensely. Consider becoming a patron by going to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair. And consider becoming an Academy member and getting some of the awesome stuff within the Academy. Would love to see you there. So thank you guys so much for listening. Oh, and review. Uh, if you want to help the show, leave a review on iTunes. It helps immensely. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I hope that wherever you are, you're doing well. I'm sending you all of my love, courage, inspiration, well wishes, and positive vibes your way. And uh, let's just close this out by coming to a state of peace and coherence. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with peace, courage, inspiration, enthusiasm, strength, and ready to take on the rest of the day. So thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode.